0: Welcome to Nest Church, and thanks for listening to our podcast. We hope this Word blesses you today. For more information, visit nestchurch.com. We hope to see you soon. And remember... Let's talk about Cuba for a moment. Let's get it out of the way here for a second. Um, there's something special that, that I want to I kind of mention about Cuba. Um, we spent about five days in Cuba, and um, there's so many things that we want to say, and, and in my message today, I want to take a point where I stop, and I guess I could, I could say in one of my points, and really speak a little bit about an experience I had in Cuba, or an experience we had in Cuba. Um, but just so that you guys could know, next Sunday is going to be a very special Sunday, for many reasons. I believe God is going to do something marvelous in our company, but... Um, it's going to be special because we, we documented a lot of a lot that happened in Cuba, and um, all of all of that documentation, we're making it into a video, and and uh, and 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 you already know um, how hard our brothers working on that, and, and I, I'm sleepless nights and and putting it together, and and um, on Sunday, what we're going to do is we're going to hear some test some more testimonies, and we're going to play videos. I said this I believe two Sundays ago. I said, we're going to go to Cuba, and uh, we're going to see if whether um, Natalie Machado's dream and whether uh, Vanessa's leading of the Holy Spirit was, whether it was really from God. You know, the Bible says to test. So to test the spirits in a sense. And so we said, all right, let's test them, and let's, let's take a trip to Cuba to see if what they said was really from the Lord. But, but we say that jokingly, but in a sense, it had truth to it. And um, there's so many other stories away from them, too, that God did. And we're going to unfold those things in the next two weeks, but when we landed to Cuba, I'm not even exaggerating to you. Sometimes we found out that in Cuba, the Cubans even said this: "Que los cubanos exageran mucho, exageran, exageran mucho. Si tu eres cubano, eso es verdad." (laughs) But they say the the Cubans exaggerate plenty. But but without exaggeration, I tell you that as soon as we stepped and uh, landed in Cuba, God began to speak. It was so powerful. How God began to speak and how we began to immediately see a beautiful move of God in Cuba. And um, and we got to see that um, what the body was feeling, the Holy Spirit leading us to Cuba was really a direction that the Lord wanted us to go. It wasn't just to go for the sake of it, but to go. It was very fun. Um, we stayed with the Cubans. We lived like the Cubans. Um, and um, and it, it was just a, a unique opportunity and we're praying that God will continue to if it's his will, to continue to open the door for what he might have for us going forward. Amen? Amen. So we ask you to keep praying for that. And, and, and keep saying, Lord, what, what is it that you want our church to do in Cuba? So so I, I think it's special. We made some amazing connections. The two main pastors in which we connected with um, are, are amazing pastors that oversee amazing works. They're not just pastors that pastor churches in their backyard I mean, or in their living room. These are pastors that have multitude of pastors under them and hundreds of even churches under them. And uh, so we already knew from the beginning a God connected us with two specific people here. And um, it was very special to see that, um, how uh, what God is uh, doing there. I really have so much to say. We have thousands of pictures and videos that we could sit for hours and talk to you about, um, but it was unreal. It was unreal. So what we're going to do is um, be ready specifically for next Sunday. Next Sunday, we're going to have a video, I believe. I believe that it's going to minister even to you if you didn't go. And if you stayed behind praying for us, it really is going to minister to you. And um, we're going to share some deeper testimonies. Astrid was there with us, and Astrid has a lot that God was doing and sharing with her. Louis has a lot that God was doing and sharing with him. Um, it was a, it was a, It's just a, a lot of great things that God was doing, um, and our time there, we spent about five days in total. Just so you could get an idea of how our trip went, we weren't just walking the streets and saying, "Oh, well, let's see what happens." In a matter of five days, we saw, we met and sat with over 40 pastors, and uh, that's unheard of. Going to Cuba and just sitting with 40 pastors, it was God giving us favor, and we sat with pastors. Um, we weren't even supposed to preach in churches because uh, we didn't go with the proper documentation. Let's say. And um, God still opened up the door. And we were able to uh, preach the word in two churches. And even in a, in a marriage retreat, we were able to preach even there as well. I mean, God is moving and, and God is doing something um, in, in Cuba, something so special. Churches are being planted everywhere. People, ch- pastors are buying homes, and they're not homes like ours, and they're ripping down walls. And then they're saying, here's the church, and it's their living room. And it's a, it's a church in the living room because that's the only way they're allowed to have church. So, because of that, they're not allowed to build a mega church. But with my own eyes, I've seen the mega church, and it's growing in Cuba. But it's growing, it's growing by small groups of 50, 80, 120 over there, 100 over here, 80 something over here, and it's multiplying. And what's happening is rather than having one dynamic leader with thousands of people in attendance, you're having thousands thousands of dynamic leaders all throughout the land of Cuba being spread and people in their living rooms hearing the gospel and transforming their lives for Jesus Christ. What we've seen in Cuba is unreal. What we've seen in Cuba is unreal. We've seen leaders and pastors raised up um, like I've never seen before. I mean, just churches being planted there is a crisis there. The move of God is happening. So what does the churches have to do? They're raising up leaders because they can't fit. So what happens is they need to start other churches. So one church of 120 has to start 10 church plants. And those 10 church plants, each one now has to start. One starts five, one starts six, one starts 10. One is start, and it's powerful. And there's a, there is a powerful move of God. Sometimes we don't see everything through the media. But when I tell you, we were able to walk into families' homes We were able to walk into hospitals and just our presence before them, people would begin to break down. There's people that are hungry for the gospel of Jesus Christ that are ready to fall at his feet. And that is why we're seeing such great revival in the midst of such hardships. And if you study the Bible, you recognize, and if you study world history, you recognize that God always moves in the midst of persecution. Where there's not persecution and there's comfortability, you see more of a lukewarm church. But when you see where there's persecution and hardship, you see of a more bold and louder church that is willing to even give their lives for Jesus. It's a very powerful thing, what we saw. And um, you're going to see it next week in video, in pictures, in sound, in words. And um, this is a great Sunday, next Sunday, to invite family and friends to say, you need to come. Um, Our pastor and some of his team, they went to Cuba and um, and God did some amazing things. And they're going to talk a little bit about it. So we encourage you to invite someone next Sunday. Amen. Let's give God some praise for that and honor him. (laughs) Amen. We thank you for the prayers, for your thoughts. Um, They were felt. And let me tell you, they ushered in favor. A lot of your prayers ushered in favor for us. Amen. So I can't wait. continue to see. I'll I'll talk about Cuba in a moment. I'm even going to show you something a little bit. But if you're taking notes, go ahead and write this down. And um, you're going to go ahead and, and write this again. I know I shared it two weeks ago, and I know last week we touched on it again. But today I'm going to share a message again, and I'm going to focus on the title of Use Your Pain yet again. I told you two weeks ago I wasn't done. I have so much information. And God was stirring my heart with this message of Use Your Pain. And, and I believe that God is going to speak to us today. How many of you came to church to truly just um, grow and hear from the Lord? Amen. Amen. I hope you did. And, and that's what we want to do. We want to come and grow and receive from the Lord. We want to have great conversations with each other, pray for each other and um, with one another and, and just be encouraged. I, I, this is my prayer uh, every Sunday, right? That when we walk out of here, not one of us leaves here discouraged because either you were discouraged sitting here or discouraged in a conversation, in a prayer you were having with someone within the family. Um, So make sure that you stretch yourself. Make sure that you reach out. If you ever feel this way, oh my God, no one's paying attention to me. Man, every time I do that, because I do that and I'm the pastor, I do that. Oh my God, no one's paying attention to me. I have to look at the mirror and recognize. No, it's like you're not paying attention to anyone. So sometimes when I'm feeling that way, it's God calling me to reach out to someone. And when I reach out to someone, it's an opportunity to pour into them and them pour into me. I encourage you to do that even today before you leave, in the parking lot, in the tent, in the hype center, in the, in the little pathway here, up here in the altar. Um, reach out to someone and let someone else reach out to you. Be strengthened today, amen? amen. All right, let, let's jump into this stuff here. If you want, open up your Bibles to Second Corinthians. We're going to have a, a verse-by-verse study for a moment here. And after we're done with the verse-by-verse study, I'm going to take you to somewhere in the Old Testament, and um, I'm going to take you to Cuba as well. So we're going to go. We're going to go to Greece today. We're going to. I mean, the Word of God travels all over the globe. Amen. All over the world, the the Word of God is traveling in the Bible today to Greece, and it's going to travel to Cuba, and it's going to travel. um, It's going. It's going to be special. Um, So as you turn to Second Corinthians, and you just put a hold there, a finger there, uh, a bookmark on chapter one. Let's kind of get into this here for a second. Because in 2 Corinthians, in this letter, in this letter, remember it's a book as we know it, but it's a letter. And in this letter, Paul begins with this introduction. And in the introduction, what is he doing? He, if you read verses like, for example, verses 1 and 2, what Paul is doing is he's introducing himself. He's introducing himself with the grace in which was given to him. And what was the grace in which was given to him by the Lord Jesus Christ? He says, I, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ. So he's been given the grace to, as the apostle, ordained by Christ. And the purpose of this letter was to the church specifically, yes, even to us today, some thousands of years later. That's how powerful his word is. That's how powerful the word of God is. Many, listen to this for a moment. Many men's words fall short, but there's still a man's word that, has, that is still reigning forever. That is why the Bible says things like heaven and earth shall fade away, but my word shall remain forever. So, so here we have something that was spoken thousands of years ago, and it's spoken specifically, this letter, to a church in Corinth. And not only right this church of Corinth, but it's all the believers throughout this area of Greece. And as Paul is writing this letter, he begins, and we're gonna, where we begin is, we're going to start reading from verse 3. And he's encouraging the believers in this region to find comfort. Everyone say comfort. comfort. To find comfort in their sufferings. You know, I went to Cuba, so sometimes I, 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 now I feel bad to say this. How many of you have um, experienced sufferings before? And I'm sure all of us have. Maybe they're very grave, they're very serious. Some of them that you just talk about them and it brings tears to your eyes. Some of them you might feel like, I don't even like sharing them so much because I feel like people think I'm foolish if I share it. But it's still your suffering. And I've learned to still honor people in their suffering however we want to scale it and however we want to judge them. It's still your suffering. It's still something that has affected you. You guys understand what I'm saying? And obviously when we were in Cuba this last week, I mean, you could imagine some of the suffering or some of the So areas, the things that we saw, that you could just say, "Wow, you know, we're we're so honored and blessed with what we have," or or maybe at least we think it, right? So, but uh, maybe uh, every single one of us, or a few of us, or the majority of us, we we could experience, or we could. um, We could speak about sufferings and we could relate to this word sufferings. And and, and this is what Paul is doing. He wants to speak to a specific region. And in these verses, he wants them to find comfort specifically in their sufferings. And if you know anything about the church, um, especially this church, the church of Corinth, there was a lot of divisions in the church of Corinth. There was a lot of divisions. Divisions is nothing new in the church of Corinth. You see it there. There was a lot of quarrels, a lot of fighting going on in this church of Corinth. Um, It it was a church that I would say this. It was a church that suffered much. Paul had to always pay attention to the church of Corinth because it suffered much, uh, this church of Corinth. I hope you guys understand that. Why? Because it makes sense now when we read verse 3 why we're reading what we're reading in verse 3. Why is he saying such a thing? Because this is a church that could relate to suffering in their gathering. This is a church that has gone through hardships. This is a church that many were led astray by false prophets and false teachers. This is a church that Paul had to love and yet be strong with. A church that struggled a lot. So we're going to go ahead and, and, and jump into a verse 3. Everyone say, I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready. Verse 3. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 3. Verse 3. It says this. And this is where we begin. He says, all praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is our merciful Father and He is the source of all our comfort. Everyone see that in verse 3. So as Paul begins, I want you to notice that before he gets into his writing or before he gets into his thought, what is he doing? He is first laying out the source of all comfort. It's almost like saying, I want to talk to you about being comforted. But before I talk to you about being comforted, let me first introduce you to the source of all comfort. And what is he saying? He says, it's what? God. you reading the same Bible I am? Okay, he says, God. God. God is our what? Merciful Father. And he is the source of all comfort let me ask you a question for a moment pause selah right Salah, and think about this for a second watch this watch this. what is the source of your comfort i love and i said that you came up here and you were so bold to say you get home from work and you drink a beer like wow she really went out in boldness and said that you know some churches some pastors are like don't say that again on a platform no say that again because it was a powerful thing. Because, because what, what is your source? I'm like I just need to be comforted. So what do we do? We numb ourselves. With what? With television. With what? With extracurricular things. Not that necessarily those things are bad. But when they take the place of the source of our comfort, they become bad. Other things shouldn't be the source of our comfort. Paul is introducing the source of our comfort is God, our merciful Father. This is kind of like verse by verse. For all you guys that like verse by verse teaching. Okay, that's what he's doing there. He, he, is, he is the merciful father. So he, what is he saying here? As, as I, Paul, begin to speak about pain, don't look elsewhere. Are we looking elsewhere? Do you look elsewhere? Use your pain when you have... I wish you would interact with me today a little bit. <laughs> Y'all went to Cuba with me and I left you there or something? (laughs) When you have pain, where do you run to? Where is your comfort when you have this pain? And then that's what he's saying. So as I begin to speak to you about pain, don't look elsewhere. I want you to really examine yourself because that's what you do when you read the Bible. The Bible is described in Scripture as a mirror. What does that mean? You look and it bounces. It's going to reflect who the image is before it. So as I'm reading this verse and I'm studying this passage, I need to recognize where am I running for my comfort? is it God or is it another God that I have made and that is what Paul is saying to the church I'm not saying he's saying this to you don't get offended I'm talking about he's talking to this about Corinth (laughs) if you thought this was about you I mean but it's about what was happening in Paul's day it was what was it was happening in Paul's days let me ask you a question has something has, has much changed since the days of Paul Some of us are still, we're still like the church of Corinth. And and he's saying here, he don't look elsewhere. But what? But only unto God, who is our Father, who is the source of all. You're going to get it. All comfort. All comfort. Let's go to the next verse. Verse 4, what does he do? Ready? He comforts us. Here's the source. Here's what the source does. Here's the water. When you drink it, this is what water does for you. So now he's going to give you the side effects of the source. When you drink from this water, you start to have the effects of the water that you're drinking. So because you drank from your source, he now comforts you in all of your troubles. I feel like I'm never comforted. I feel like it's one misery after another misery, one trial after another trial. It's fine. Maybe the Lord wants to take you to a deeper place of comfort. So he's got to bring greater degrees of trouble. Because if I don't go through greater degrees of trouble, maybe I won't fully surrender yet to the God of our comfort. What a beautiful passage this is. What beautiful scripture this is. He comforts us all in troubles. Look what he says in the next part of this verse. So that we now can what? comfort others I love that Paul writes hey this whole comforting thing and this whole salvation thing and this whole getting touched thing and this whole transformed thing and this whole thing like oof you were down in the gutter but now you're smooth like butter it's not just for you it's for the other person as well in your life that you need to spread with butter that you need to soothe their wounds that you need to give them oil that you need to give them a prayer that you need to give them a hug. Look what he says in this verse. Come on, let's read through the flow of this scripture. He comforts us in our troubles. Not so you could just sit there and numb yourself, but so that what? Now you can comfort others. You're called to the world. Man, am I excited for this passage. And when they are troubled, we will be able to give them the same comfort God has. Why does the world need to be troubled? Because there's a bunch of troubled people in this house. <laughs> Come here, how many of you are troubled people? Been, been troubled people. Amen. Guess what you do now? You take that been troubled individual with that been troubled experience. And now Scripture says we're able now to give them the same comfort that He has first given us. What, what? Pause for a moment. What does that mean? Don't try to do something. Don't try to do something or go elsewhere without first Him doing it in you as well. So Paul is teaching so many things here. But at the same time as he's teaching so many things, he's also saying what? He's also saying, you better be rooted in what he's comforting in you in first so that in that way you have the, that's why when some people think they have the authority to comfort others and it becomes more of an annoyance than it does a blessing, it's because they probably first haven't learned how to be rooted in Christ, their own comfort. and So you can't, you have to first say, where and how am I being comforted so that what? Now I can comfort others. I can't comfort others without first understanding the God of all comfort within me. How many of you do not raise your hand but need to come to a place where all comfort is from the Lord and you need to come and be established in that? So then that way, that same comfort that God's given you, it could be the comfort for someone else. I want you to acknowledge the theme, use your pain. That's what Paul is saying. If he was here and he was a member of this church, which would be very rare for me not to say, it's yours, but if Paul was here, he would say, "I preach that message, use your brain. I preached it right here all over the New Testament, but I preach it in Second Corinthians. So his comfort to us is in order for us to comfort what? Others. I, I wrote this down and I mean this, because they may, they may open up to receive comfort from you before ever opening up their hearts to receive comfort from the Lord. So what does this mean? Paul is saying something very, very special. Your comforting, your comforting, your comforting introduces them to his comfort. If I am comforting my brother or my sister, if I am comforting my brother or my sister, if I'm comforting him, and I'm not doing it in the comfort of the Lord, I'm just drawing you to me. But if I am rooted in the comfort of God, And I am comforting my brother and comforting him. He is going to come to be or he's going to be introduced now to the true comfort and it's the comfort of God. It is the place of being established in the most important place where he becomes the God of all comfort. So then in someone else's life, I could be the same comfort to you. But in being that comfort, the one thing, the one person that you're going to meet is none other than God, the God of all comfort. That's the same man that said what? Imitate me as I imitate him. Because I've come to a place that as long as you follow me, you're going to come to a place where you're going to stop following me and it's just going to keep going. You're just going to follow God. Uh, It's it's, it's Paul speaking here. Your comforting introduces them to his comfort and they may not even know it. They say things like this to you. Ready? Ah, there's just something about you every time I'm with you. Yeah. It's the presence of God that's alive in you. Ah, you just always have the right words to say. Yeah, it's the Word of God that's inside of you. Ah, oh, it's that every time I come to your house, I feel like this presence of the Lord. Yeah, because the presence of God lives in you. See what I'm trying to say? Good. Because, because your, introdu- your life, your presence, your involvement in someone else is actually what? The journey for them to introduce them to the God of all comfort. Verse 5. This won't be the whole message, but verse 5. For the more we suffer for Christ, the more God will shower us with his comfort. <laughs> like, really, just, you know what? That's a verse that you really just have to get that revelation for yourself. Some people, it's this, the more I suffer for Christ, the more bitter I get towards him. The more I suffer for Christ, the more bitter I get towards the people that are of Christ. The more I suffer for Christ, the more I'm mad I get at myself. But Paul says, for the more we suffer for Christ, the more God will shower us with his comfort through Christ. So can this be a, uh, this is a, a question, right? Can this be a danger of not having suffering? Can this be a danger the, the less suffering I have, the less suffering I have, the more comfort of the world I have, which does not produce Christ in me. But, or so, the more suffering in him, greater is the showering of his comfort over me, which richly produces Christ in me. Uh, so important. What's the shirt that we're going to make? What's it called again? Shar? What's it called? Winning in pain. yeah. Winning in pain. Why winning in pain? Because here it is. Here it is. Here's Paul. This is Paul's own writing. This is this is the, the if you believe it, right? If you believe it, this is what our this is our this is what we say here. The inerrant, the infallible Word of God, right? It says this: For the more we suffer for Christ, the more God showers us with His comfort. So more suffering is actually. This is so crazy to say this, right? More suffering, you know, I have to be careful because when I speak this, then you know what? God kind of holds you accountable to it. Yes. Uh-huh. So sometimes I get scared to preach certain things because then he He tests me and I'm like, Jesus, I should not have preached that one that Sunday. <laughs> it's happened to me. Some things like, I, I, it's happened to me. So it's almost like saying, the more, su- the more suffering, the more God I get. So the prayer is like, Lord, if it's, oh, if it's a suffering you have for me, bring it. I will endure it for your glory so that I can find greater comfort in God through Jesus Christ. Like that's some crazy prayers. All right, let's go to verse 6 here. So much we have to say still. I hope you guys, I hope you guys are in a hurry. You knew I was on a trip, so you know I have a lot to say when I come back. All right, here we go. Verse 6. Even when we are weighed down with troubles. So good. Even when we are weighed down with trouble, who's speaking here? You already learned that. It's Paul writing this letter. So is Paul, is Paul saying that he is also an individual who is being weighed down, weighed down with troubles? Yes. So that is why Paul has the authority to write about troubles and the God of all comfort because he himself is what? Is a factor or is a dealer of the troubling that also receives God's comfort in it. So he says, we are weighed down with our troubles. Me, Paul as well, the apostle. But watch this. It's for you. This is mind-blowing. We're weighed down with troubles, but it's for your comfort. So now he's pointing. <laughs> it's for you. It's, Paul's like, I'm suffering for his bride. And if you study the life of Paul, most of his sufferings was for the church. I know that because he even says, I want to go to be with him, but it's better that I stay and be with you. It's for your comfort, it's for your salvation. Look what he says in verse 6. For when we ourselves are comforted, we will certainly comfort you. Are you seeing that Paul is saying, I'm not just preaching this to you, I hope you're seeing that I'm living it. And then you can patiently endure the same things that we suffer. How many of you are being blessed by this passage already? So you read verse 6 and what we see here is this, ready? Apostle Paul, Apostle Paul, notice I'm putting his title in there. Apostle Paul and the leadership of the church, what he is saying is they share in the same pain or they share in pain. That they too are weighed down and they too have troubles. But Paul has come to a place very important that you write this, know this, learn this, grow in this. Paul and the leadership of the church has come to a place of maturity, of maturity. Anyone still so struggling with that? In maturity, where his troubles are an offering unto the churches that he leads. Immature Paul would have said, God, I almost died for you yesterday and you did this again to me today. That's immature Paul. Mature Paul says, my suffering is for your salvation and for your comfort. Immature Paul would have what? Anything and everything that has happened, he would have taken it upon himself. Mature Paul says, everything and anything that has happened has a greater purpose for those I lead. Apostle Paul understands this. And he's coming to a place of maturity where he gets this. And I'm troubled. But in my trouble, it's for your salvation. It's for your comfort, he says. And as we are comforted, he says what? We will what now? In return, we'll comfort you. As I'm comforted and we're comforted, the leadership of this church, I as the apostle, as I am comforted, in return, I'll comfort you. So I say this. This is Paul, please, asking us. Hey, pray for your leadership. Pray for your leadership. If Paul wrote this letter to Corinth, they should have stopped right there and had a whole vigil for Paul. (laughs) Because, Because here's Paul, and I say, pray for your leadership. When? When should you pray for your leadership? My answer is always, as much as you can, pray for them. Because why? They need to use their troubles. They need to use their pain while being comforted in Christ. They need to use those things for your benefit, to strengthen and encourage you to go on and to go forth. So Paul's like, I received the letters, I received the emails, Paul's saying. And in receiving them, I saw your bird and I saw the things that weighed you down. And I too share in things that weigh me down. But I need to be comforted so that what? When I read those letters, when I get those emails, I could also what? Be a comfort unto you. What is Paul saying? My life is not just about me, so my suffering is also not just about me. It's to strengthen, it's to encourage you to go on. And they too, and, and we too, are weighed down. But we need to use it. We need to use it. If you're weighed down, and God's calling you to be a leader in your family, in your workplace, in the ministry, if you're weighed down, you need... Guys, listen, you need to use it for the building up of the saints. The moment that you grab your way down and you use it to show a bad image of Christ, you've lost all weight of the Word of God in your life. But when you're weighed down, and you use it to bring forth a beautiful aroma before the Lord, it is a strength and a glory for the church. It's a win. And that's what Paul is saying. It's for the building up of the saints. It's not to destroy the church and the saints, but to build them. How many of you could say amen? Amen. And then he says in verse 7, we are confident that you, as you share in our sufferings, what does he say? You will also share in our comfort. The comfort that God gives us. And Paul is inviting the church, listen now, Paul is inviting the brethren, Paul is inviting the church, the brethren, to take part of the, of the unity of each other's suffering. And even in this, they're a leader, so that they can also share and take part in the unity of God's comfort that he gives Share in suffering. Why should we share in suffering? Because if you're sharing in suffering, you're going to honor, honor the moments when you get to share in comfort. So I love this. Why do you think when a church gets attacked, or when leadership gets attacked, the ones rooted in that family grow closer? Because they've learned to share in each other's sufferings to then take part in sharing together in his comfort. That's a beautiful thing. That's a beautiful truth written by Paul. So I write this down, ready? It's how the persecuted church grows. How does the persecuted church grow? By being persecuted. By suffering. I want to share with you something. (laughs) It's coming, but God is giving us some grace first before it comes. But watch this. I I was able to go to Cuba and I was able to preach to a people that didn't have much. At least I thought. And I stood in their worship service and I hear their praises. And I could say this these people have so much that I've seen in a long time in my own country. Because I went over there thinking that I'm the one that has much and they have little. And then you know what happens you come back and you recognize, oh, they have the stuff that really matters. And we may have the stuff that really doesn't matter fully. There's a lot of discussion to have with that. It's sensitive. But I feel like I have the right to say it because I'm Cuban. (laughs) And my family has also been hurt. And my family also aches. So I'm very sensitive to that. And my family also has pain because of the land, because of that country, and because of the government, because of many things. But away from the politics and away from all those things, I'm talking about now the realm which is spiritual. I've seen something so beautiful that my eyes have not seen in a long time in the United States of this grand America. And I believe it's probably because when they have little, they've learned to receive much. And maybe I'm not talking about you. Maybe because I have much, I have felt that it's okay. To just live with little. It's unreal to be in a Cuban church and to scream out, Freedom! We're preaching. And I want you to see the freedom and the liberty that this church has. Just watch this clip for a moment. Next Sunday is more, okay? I know you wanted more. No, don't stop it. That was just a tease to bring you back next Sunday. I I, I wanted to show that because we're confident, verse 7, that as you share in sufferings, you also get to share in the comfort that God gives. In Cuba, I've never seen in my life, I've, I've heard about Iran I've heard about a lot of countries in the East, specifically. But I've never seen, with my eyes and me being there physical, I've never seen almost, I could could say this, almost identical to what I read in the book of Acts. Almost identical to what I read in the book of Acts. I see it lived out through Cuba. It's unreal to see people growing. Church plant over here, over there, over there, 10 over here, 5 over here, 10 over here, 10 over here 60 in this building. And and just radically, the, Cuba is, is, there's pockets, pockets, pockets of light just shining. Being the hope of such a dark place. And, and then you come over here, and if I were to get right here, and I said, Betsy, come up here, and they start screaming, freedom, freedom, freedom. I mean, these people were like, they, you see, I believe this. And, and, and we can have conversation on this, but, This is just like little thoughts that I'm having. I'm still digesting, chewing on it. I feel when they say libertad or when they say freedom, I believe that the way they experienced it, they define it, and when it comes out of their mouth, it says and feels something totally different than when we say it here. So when we say libertad, freedom, freedom, a pastor of that church, who's, who's got to be proper, who's got to be mature, who's got to be given to the order of the Spirit, was running back and forth in his church, waving his Bible and his towel free, you know? And I'm like, wow, here are a people in a land that is so-called bound, but yet spiritually are so free like I've never seen with my eyes. So free with my eyes. I told that church, I said, one day, our church, man, my desire, my prayer is that they worship and they sing the way you sing and the way you worship. And they all went crazy. It was like giving them a gold medal. They went like, I felt like inside of them, they're like, we're better than America. I knew it. <laughs> I, I, you know, it was all joking aside, there was, a, there was a pride in the Cuban heart. The Cuban Christian. I tell you this, the Cuban Christian is a beautiful person. You'll fall in love with them immediately. Let's go to verse 8 for a moment. So much more that we want to share next week with you. I don't want to steal it. It says, are you with me in verse 8? Yes. We think you ought to know, dear brothers and sisters, about the trouble we went through in the province of Asia. We were crushed and overwhelmed beyond our ability to endure. Natalie, that, that dream you had, Natalie, right there that the dream you had? <laughs> of us jumping around screaming freedom. We were crushed and overwhelmed. Look, look at what Paul's saying here. Brothers, sisters, brothers, sisters, about all this trouble that we've gone through. You know about the trouble we went through in the area of Asia. Listen to what he says. We were crushed. We were overwhelmed beyond our ability to endure. And we thought we would never live through it. Verse 9, in fact, we expected to die. This right here. I highlighted these two things, Ready? We thought we would never live through it. In fact, we expected to die. And then I love the but part. But as a result, we stopped relying on ourselves. And we learned to rely only on God who raises the dead. (sighs) Amen. I have a whole other passage that I'm going to preach, but if God gives me the opportunity next Sunday, I'm going to preach this. I'm going to ask the worship team to start coming up. I'm going to be sensitive to what God wants to do here. I'm not going to jam you with information for the sake of jamming you with information when I could take our time exposing the scripture. Amen? Can I read verse 89 one more time? it's so important that you catch what Paul's saying the heart behind this. He says this, let's read it again. He says, we think you ought to know, brothers and sisters, about the trouble that we went through in the province of Asia. You should know about this trouble. <laughs> we were crushed and we were overwhelmed beyond our ability to endure and we thought that we would never live through it. In fact, we expected to die. This part is so important in this text. Because he's saying this, we were going to die. We weren't going to get through it. It was the end of us. The suffering was too much. The pain was too much. The trouble was too much. We expected to die. Maybe you've never been there. To the point where your death, where the doctors have even told you, you're going to die. And God just did something totally different. Paul says, We were expected to die. But I love the second part of verse 9 because it tells a greater story. It's not like Paul is boasting that he almost died for Jesus. It's not like Paul is just saying, hey man, we thought we weren't going to make it. I feel like verse 9, the second half, has a greater story to tell, has a greater testimony. It's not that we just expected to die, but verse 9 says, as a result of our expectance to die, as a result of living in such trouble, as a result of us being in the worst place that we could ever be in, look what it says, as a result of such pain. How many of you have experienced pain again? As a result of such pain. Remember you guys that raised your hand? As a result of such pain, look what he says next, we stopped relying upon ourselves. Was pain used as an instrument? To stop relying on themselves. And what did they do? They learned now to rely on only God who raises the dead. So Paul is describing a biblical truth here. A biblical truth that we must understand And what's the biblical truth? That he's he's explaining through his experience. What is it? What's the biblical truth? That That he will deliver. Paul is explaining a biblical truth through his experience. That God is comfort. God took them to their death. So that they would stop relying on themselves. God took them to their death so that finally they could fully learn to rely on Him. Don't we learn that to truly live, we must first all die? Have we not learned that? To truly live, we must all first learn how to die. And when Paul here when we read this passage of him finally relying on God. It took death. It took pain. It took trouble. When you come to the place where your trust, where your reliance, it's fully on God. I need you to hear this because this is the verse that we end with here. When you come to the place where your trust And your reliance is fully on God. I'm going to be daring to say this. Then you reap the benefits. You reap the benefits of such trouble. You reap the benefits as it says it in verse 10. Can we read verse 10? You see, because these are not verses when Paul writes them. These are continual sentences and thoughts that do not separate one from another but connect one one to each other. And in verse 10, look what he says next. This is so powerful. And he did rescue us. Do you remember what we just said in verse 9? We thought we would never live through it. We expected to die. But he caused this so we would stop relying and rely only on him who raises the dead. And in verse 10, he says, But he, God, the God, who am I talking about? Have you forgotten the first verse already? What's the introduction? But He, the God of all comfort, rescued us from mortal danger. The God of all comfort will rescue us again. And we have placed our confidence in Him. And God, Him, the God of all comfort, He will continue to rescue us. What is He saying? What is He ending with? My source of introduction... Is the source that I end with at the end that rescues me. The source that I introduce is the same source that I end with which rescues me. And I feel like Paul is telling the church of Corinth use your pain. Use it. Why should I use it? Because he rescues you from it. He rescues you from danger again and again. He gives you confidence. And he will continue to rescue you. Use your pain. Let your pain cause you to stop relying on your own strengths. On your own ability. And let your pain cause you to fully grow into maturity. And rely on God who is the only source of your comfort. My next point that I want to get into next week is this. That I don't have time to get into today. That God doesn't just want to use your pain. Your pain. But he also, he also wants to reward your pain. We'll talk about that. We'll teach on that. He wants to also reward your pain. I'm going to ask you to stand with me here for a moment. I want you to examine yourself here for a moment. If you want to close your eyes, you can close your eyes. If you want to look up to the roof, you can look up to the roof. But I want you right now to get alone with God. Stay still. Don't worry about things you have to do. Don't worry about what that person just told you. Don't worry about that text message. Don't worry about anything right now. Just right now, right there where you're at. Just pause for a moment. Just pause. As you pause there for a moment, come on, all life just stands still for a moment. All life stands still. Time just stand still right now in the presence of God and as everything stands still where do you see yourself in the context of this according to the scripture that we just read and taught according to what Paul is teaching the church of Corinth here come on where do you see yourself how do you see your pain How do you see the comfort from the pain? Are you finding comfort from the God of all comfort? Or have you built gods that were never made to comfort you? Here's the first calling. If you've built gods to comfort you, and you need to come to the God of all comforts, I'm going to ask you to come up here right now. We want to pray for you. That's the first people I want to pray for today. Anyone bold enough? to say I've been making false gods, gods of, that will never comfort me. Anyone in here? Amen. Anyone else? All right, second thing, maybe you're finding comfort in the God of all comfort. And maybe your prayer today is, Lord, I need to now be a comfort unto others so that they would come to know the God of our comfort. If that's you, I want you to come up and say, I need to be comfort to others so that they can know the comfort that is the God of our comfort. I invite you, let's come up and we'll pray for you. If that's you, come up. And maybe you're this third group, and you're saying, I've been in pain, I've been in trouble. I'm going to be very honest with you right now, and just examine. Remember, everything stands still right now. Because of your trouble, you try tried to work things out in your own strength, and because of that, it's guiding you to a greater mess. So today the Lord, the word of God confronts you. And today you recognize that your trouble, your pain that is being used in your life is so that you can finally stop relying on yourself and that you could learn to fully rely on Christ Jesus, on God the Father who is the source of all comfort. So for the third group, if that's you today, and you're saying my, my trouble has gotten me to rely on myself and I need to allow my trouble my pain to get me just to rely rely on Christ that's for you there's some people that are up here let's pray for them you know who you are let's come up and let's pray for some of these individuals If you're a leader here, let's pray for one of these. Let's pray for these individuals. Let's pray for these three things. Let's ask the God of our comfort to fulfill this word in their lives. As we sing this song over you, let this glory of comforting take place in our nest right now. Hallelujah. Come on. If you're up here, begin to surrender.